You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. John is going to come and share a message. We are journeying through the book of the Psalms at the minute as a church in our home groups. But um, before John comes up, Joe, you're going to read the scripture for this evening, Psalm 63. So over to you. Uh, so I'm reading from the NIV. Um, <clears throat> you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. Those who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Well, good evening all. Great to see you. Thanks for that, Joe. Um, my wife and I have had a bit of a front row seat to all that the youth has done because it's been on Zoom for 15 months. Can you imagine every Friday night, uh, our poor girls have been in the dining room while we've been listening to everything they've been saying <laughs> in the lounge. And then, <laughs> come on, pray a little bit more. And uh, what a nightmare to have your parents as the pastors. Uh, but I want to say, um, you guys are heroes. Uh, you have 15 months, week in, week out. Steadfastness, faithfulness. Um, and, and being constant and consistent to these young people who, who've had their worlds absolutely turned upside down, facing emotional and mental and spiritual health issues, physical health issues. and So I just want to thank you, Joe, Hannah, the rest of the team, about 10 of them that serve on the team. They're amazing. Can we give them a round of applause for one more time? <laughs> you guys are amazing. So tonight I want to talk to you about having a holy hunger for God from Psalm 63. And I really believe that this is one of those messages that is kind of for those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. It may not be for everyone, but my prayer is that maybe a few of us this evening who really uh, catch what the Spirit of God may be saying to us and releasing it upon us. I believe that one of the things that God is doing in this season is uh, releasing the gift of hunger. It is a gift of hunger to the church. You know, for many of us, this season has been incredibly painful, incredibly difficult, um, full of frustration and grief and, and brokenness. Uh, 
But out of that, the Lord seems to be inviting and, and carving and shaping hunger in us. Out of those lonely places, out of those broken places, out of those frustrating places, he is shaping hunger in us. And he's wanting to turn discouragement and frustration. I don't know if you've felt like that in this last 15 months. I definitely have. Often real dark moments of uh, discouragement and frustration, but he wants to turn those moments into intercession and into fasting and into longing and into prayer and into hunger. He's inviting um, people into that place of hunger. He's, He's doing it to leaders. He's doing it in churches where he's setting people on fire, making us torch carriers. Um, he's doing it in our communities. He's placing hunger in our community, in people who never, ever thought about God. And in the last year or so, suddenly, maybe a year or two years ago, you would have said to them, can I pray for you? And they would have said, no, we've been hearing some great stories all day from people who just seem to be open to the gospel, open to prayer, open to help. And um, it's almost like the, the, the ground which has been hard in the heart has begun to be softened and God is breaking up the fallow ground in our community so that people are hungry for God. And when a hungry church meets a hungry city, then you see something extraordinary. And Psalm 63 is the most amazing psalm, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you've run out of all options and in your heart of hearts, you're just longing. You're just longing for God. Maybe it's an answer to prayer. It's just, God, will you show up and speak? And as, as all the Psalms do, and this is why we're looking at it, is it gives language to our heart's desire. And it's just stunning. And it's the language of hunger. You know, so often when we face trouble, when we face hardship, when we face difficulty, like David being in the wilderness when he wrote Psalm 63, is that people tend to go one of two directions. Either people's hearts are hardened and they begin to turn away from God, they begin to walk away from Jesus, they begin to slowly drift and walk away from God and the church. And they're trying to fulfill what we believe is a promise of happiness and fulfillment, but we do it through the scripts of the world rather than through God. Or the other way, which is that when we face hardship, we allow the fire of that trial, the fire of that crisis to form us internally. And these are gateways to spiritual renewal and revival in our lives. In other words, dissatisfaction actually is a gift I don't know if you've ever seen frustration and dissatisfaction. That is a gift to our hearts. And dissatisfaction has the potential to ferment into holy discontent. And holy discontent leads to a hunger for God and the things of God. Just look at the first verse. We're going to look at the first few verses of Psalm 63. The first verse says this, You, God are my God. You, God, are my God. And as David was writing this, you know, many people, 
in the nation, worshipped multiple gods, worshipped many, many gods. And what David is saying here is that, look, there's no other options for me. And if we, if we look at that in our context, in our cultural context today, we look at all the, the false idols and the counterfeit gods. It's like saying, look, none of that will do. There's only you, God, the only one true God. No other options for me. I know who my God is. Not just everybody else's God, who my God is. He is my God. And it's he who I run to, and it's he who I earnestly seek. It's not just seeking after God. Look at the word there, earnestly. This is something we do earnestly with, with desire and passion and hunger. Earnestly, I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. There's a longing. I don't know if you've ever experienced a human longing. I was thinking about this is that when, uh, when Joni and I started dating, Joni was in Cardiff, so it was a good five-hour drive away, and for about 18 months before we got married, we had a long-distance relationship. So actually, we'd only spent, uh, um, I think, once or twice, um, seven days together with family. And so when we got married after 18 months, um, on the eighth day, I was a little bit worried. I was like, well, this is the first time we've gone into day eight. Well, I wonder what's going to happen. And, and thankfully, it's, it's all good. Um, but the reality is there was a deep longing. We, we often laugh and we think, what were we thinking? You know, going through the, the traffic through Birmingham, five hours there and back on a weekend, pretty much every weekend. We'd never do that now. <laughs> we do it for each other, but we wouldn't do it for anything else. The reason is there was the longing. So you didn't, you, you didn't mind the tiredness. I just remember that whole season. I don't know if you heard the, the, the preacher and Pastor John MacArthur. I just digested his podcast for 18 months to get me through some of those journeys. But you didn't mind that. You didn't mind the tiredness. You didn't mind the longing. There, there was an energy because there was a longing in our hearts. And that's just, humanly speaking, that is nothing compared to the longing the human heart desires for God. He has placed it in us. It is a divine thing that he has placed in us. So my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. The language there is that you're driven to a place where there is no other option, and it's a crisis. If, if you're in a place where there is no water, you're in crisis. And so such was the situation and the circumstances that brought about a hunger and a desire for God. That's why we, we see in, in the global church so many countries that do not have much in terms of food, in terms of drink, in terms of the basic necessities of life, and yet they see revival. They see people who will literally walk hours and days to be with the church to meet with God. They don't mind listening to hours and hours of preaching because they're so hungry. They're so hungry. It's a hunger 
though, that can be so easily deadened and we can be distracted from and it's a hunger that we can be diluted from because the greatest enemy of hunger is not poison but apple pie. My, one of my daughters loves to bake and she made me fantastic apple pie, little tarts yesterday, it was absolutely amazing. I love apple pie. And I was thinking about this, the greatest enemy of hunger is not poison but apple pie. The opposite of love is not hate, it is indifference. And that is so often the case because for us as Christians, we, we have endless nibbling at the table of this world. And therefore, our subtle, very, very subtle love of the things of this world creates an apathy for the things of God. And so often in Christians, it's not something dramatic that makes people walk away from God, but actually it is drift and drown. It's just little by little moments of compromise that so often start in the private place that actually start to work into our souls and we start to have an apathy for the things of God and that apathy can lead to a real atrophy where we begin to have an indifference in our spiritual muscles that we need to work on every single day for sharing our faith, for mission, for feeding the poor, for prayer, for being together as the church. Slowly we become indifferent to it and intermittent, as it were, with our rhythms. It's kind of like sipping salt water. Have you ever swallowed salt water in the sea? And you think about it, hold on, it ain't any better. There's, there's oceans of water. <laughs> That will quench my thirst, but of course it's salt water, and when you take a, a gulp of it, it makes you more thirsty. And so often we're, we're drinking from the fountains of this world, expecting and hoping for it to quench our thirst because there's an innate thirst and hunger in us. It actually takes us to all the wrong things, and we realize actually it's just making us more and more thirsty. It does not quench the thirst. Look at verse two to five, it says this. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. Because your love is better than life, I will be satisfied. We're hungry for God because we know there's a promise of something better and it's found in him. There's something better and it's found in him. And notice those amazing four words in verse two, I have seen you. And that is the key, that is the object, that is the goal, that is the vision of hunger. Seeing God a vision of God, beholding God, the presence of God, the life of God is the goal of our hunger. That's why we see in the Beatitudes, Jesus saying that the pure shall see God. The pure shall see God. Hunger to see God propels purity in our hearts. It's not enough, and we find this when we kind of go 
you know, three steps forward and two steps back in our Christian walk is that we go, oh, I heard a great talk today. I heard a great podcast. I, I, I better sort this out in my life. Or you think, do you know, oh, I, I'm a Christian. I, I suppose I, I better not do this or I better not say that. And that, does, that never fuels long-term fruit and long-term sustainable hunger in your life that brings transformation. What is the greatest goal? I want to live pure because the pure shall see God. And when that becomes your, your driver, your motivator, your desire, your craving, your hunger deep in the heart, deep in the depths of your soul, is that drives you to be completely and utterly sold out for him. I have seen you. C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory said this, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We fill our lives with junk when God offers us a banquet. And he wants to put a hunger in you for him. You know, there's some crisps that Joni and I really like. They're called Walker's Max Strong Crisp. Do you know about those? Jalapeno and cheese. And they are a vice. They, they are a problem, especially with an onion and garlic dip. And here's the thing. I eat so much of them is that if you were to bring me my favorite food, which is a ribeye steak, even if you offered that to me, after a bag of those, I don't want the ribeye steak. I'm so full on just well, it's nonsense and junk, but it's so, so good. So often we fill our lives with, talk metaphorically, but Chris, which is like just junk for the spirit. We, we feed our lives on vain ambitions and pornography. When Jesus comes and says, you don't desire too little, you do desire too little, I come to give you life and life in all its abundance. I come to give you a banquet of fullness, the fullness of life. Don't settle for second best. Don't settle for what is being drip-fed into your conscience by the subtleties of the world through the flesh through the world's desires, through the enemy. Don't listen to the temptation. Don't listen to the subtlety of the lies. It doesn't matter how attractive it looks like and how well it's advertised. What it's doing it is giving you an appetite for things which are not of the Lord. And we look to this stuff simply because we have not feasted on him. So often when I'm pastoring people and counseling people, Say so I'm struggling with this and that, and maybe it's an addiction. My first go-to is this, is that what is, what is your idol? What's the idol here? Because clearly, 
the journey and the purpose is correct, you're, you're, you're thirsty and you're hungry for meaning and fulfillment, and that's been placed in you. But instead of going to God, you're going somewhere else. Fall in love with him and see the king, and you won't want that other stuff. Five seconds in the presence of God and the perfection and the holiness and the majesty of God changes everything. And when you've tasted and you've seen of him, you don't want to settle for second best. You, you can't afford to. You don't want to compromise. Hunger is like a, a lovesickness for God. Hunger is like a homesickness for God. And hunger dictates our priorities Hunger dictates our priorities. If you want to see how hungry you are for God, look at how you prioritize your life and your time and your money and do it through that filter. Having three children, we go on many car journeys and I'm quite a single focus kind of guy so I'm very much like we've, we've got to go at this time and we've got to be there at that time. It's a holiday destination. We're going out for the day or an appointment or whatever. But when one of the children needs the bathroom, which is every journey, or when one of the children needs food, the priorities change. <laughs> and so it doesn't, it, it's not about getting to my destination anymore. It's all about can we find the nearest convenience store? Can we find the nearest garage? Can we find the nearest public talk? Can we do anything? just to deal with this, our priorities change based on the needs and our hunger. And I wonder if this season that we've been taking stock of how our life really looks at the moment and our priorities, most of you may be familiar with this, but I think it's a really good illustration, and that's of the jar filled with rocks, pebbles, and sand. And it needs to be done in terms of priorities in that order. The, the, the rocks represent our main priorities, our relationship with God. And living as a committed, wholehearted follower of Jesus, our, our family, friends, those kind of things. Then the pebbles, work, school, household tasks, areas of service. And then the sand, which trickles into all the gaps which remain and represents all the maybe the less important stuff in our lives. And we need to get our priorities in the right order. And if we, if we start with the sand, we're, we're likely to find all sorts of lesser priorities actually filling up a lot of our life, leaving little room for those things which are most important. And if you've had a slower pace through this pandemic as some of us have, Right now, as we kind of exit these things, life will rapidly fill up. And unless we put the rocks in first, there'll be plenty of pebbles on offer, plenty of sand, doing their very best to fill our lives up in a less deliberate and intentional manner. And my observation is that some of the rocks and the pebbles of the Christian life are actually being at risk right now of being replaced by sand. We're all committed very much to a hybrid of online church. This is a gift to be able to speak right now into people's homes and we know we're reaching many people who we wouldn't have reached before. We will continue to do that. But actually, the consumerism of that, the picking and choosing, you know, we can be at home and we can 
pick our favorite worship set on our Spotify. We can pick our favorite communicator. If it gets a little bit too challenging, we can fast forward or pause. We can do it that fits around our schedule. And my fear is, is that that is bringing a consumerism into the church that will affect our hunger. That stuff is of sand. We need to fill the jars of our lives with rocks so that we do not drift and we maintain and sustain hunger. So gathering like this is absolutely imperative, not because it's a good idea in the world, it's because the Bible tells us to do it. Let me finish with this. What sustains hunger for God? Let me just give you a few practical things. Number one, and none of this is anything new. None of this is, is new to any of us, but what we're going to do is going to bridge the gap between that which we know and that which we experience because there lies the angst of our Christian walk. Read the Bible. Nothing fuels desire and hunger like being in God's word daily. This is our daily bread. This tells us who God is and when we know who God is and we see him, we desire more of him. It tells us who we are. It tells us how foolish it is to put and place trust in ourselves and not in God. And what I love about God's word, it deals with accusation. One of the greatest weapons of the enemy is to accuse the church, to accuse Christians, to condemn Christians. God's word deals with accusation. It deals with lies. It deals with our intuitions about what we may have about God and the world and each other. It brings clarity, it brings way, it brings direction and light. Without it, we lose our hunger for God. But then we've got to read it and we've actually got to obey what it says. Because so often we read it and we think, okay, that's great, but not now. Let's do that later. And of course, delayed obedience is disobedience. Like with our kids, you know, tidy your room. Yeah, I'll do it later. No, do it now. <laughs> I know it sounds good, but it's not. You're just disobeying your parents. And so what we're going to do is read God's word. And like the wise person, Billy's house upon the rock is the one that puts God's word into action. And so we're going to obey what it says because much of the church want to see the power of God but won't do the basics. And so we're going to do the basics. And so when God says do this and when God says say that and when God says forgive that person and give to that person and share that and carry this, we've got to do it. Don't delay, do it in faith. Thirdly, we need to prioritize relationships that stir hunger. You've got to make sure your people in your inner world, that you're doing life with people. It's like iron sharpens iron. People who prioritize and stir hunger in each other. Do you have people like that? I hope you find people like that in this church. People who will share God's word with you. People who will pray with you. People who will talk about Jesus. Jay N. Darby, an early leader of the Plymouth Brethren movement, said this, to be hungry is not enough. 
I must be really starving to know what is in God's heart towards me. When the prodigal son was hungry, he went to feed upon husks. But when he was starving, he turned to his father. And when you have that kind of desperation, only God can satisfy it. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.